the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Good evening. to Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. Glad to have you all here with me. So excited to share tonight with you because tonight is a huge, exciting night. First of all, it's exciting because it's always exciting for me to be here and be on, uh, share this time with you. And I get to share it with DJ Carrot Sticks. I'll earn my pay one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, you better learn your pay by starting to play my new intro next time. It kind of threw me. I was expecting. Remember we did the new intro? You, they, you didn't hear about the new intro we recorded with Cameron? No? Okay. I didn't hear that, by the way. You didn't hear that over the mic. Nobody, no, I didn't hear about that. All right. Shame on Cameron, by the way. All right. Hey, follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. That's where all the geniuses out there. Tonight is a huge night. I want to give uh, congratulations out there to Ted Cruz, who actually won the Iowa caucus tonight. But like so many people are asking, what does it really mean? What does it mean for him? What does it mean for the Republican Party? Uh, you know, we're not exactly, you know, we ha- we're not exactly coming off of eight years of President Huckabee or President Santorum. So I'm not really sure what this really means, although this was a really different kind of year for the Republican Party as well as for really America. In fact, right now, I don't even think we have a declared winner yet between Hillary and Sanders. And what does it say about Iowa that you could have 50% of Iowans ready to vote for Sanders at the same time that you got Iowans picking Ted Cruz? What the heck does this mean? Well, I'm glad you're all here to help me figure out what it means. Uh, Also, to help me figure it out is Gail Trotter. She's been on the show before. She's a political analyst and a commentator. She's been all over media. You've seen her many times. And she's going to be on to help me figure it out because there's lots of questions tonight. I think what's really clear as we go forward is looking at the results right now, there's only four votes that stand between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. And if you're Hillary Clinton right now, you are warm. I mean, who remembers, speaking of past uh, presidential campaigns, who remembers back in 08 when Hillary was running. She was, remember, it was supposed to be the coronation then, back in 2008 for Hillary Clinton. And remember, out of nowhere comes this little upstart senator. And you guys remember a certain church that was associated with that upstart senator. And there was, and I'm not thinking about Reverend Wright. I'm thinking about another Reverend, Father Flager, actually. Do you, who remembers Father Flager? talking about after i think it was after iowa before going into new hampshire where he is just on fire from the pulpit 
And he's saying, there's a, he's mocking Hillary Clinton. He's like, oh, there's a black man stealing my show. Well, tonight we may have a socialist stealing her show. And you know what? If that happens, that's going to be the big story for me tonight. Because like I said, we have, we're not coming off of eight years of a President Santorum. We did not have a Santorum as the presidential nominee back in 2012, nor did we have a Huckabee as the presidential nominee for the Republican Party in 08. It doesn't mean that it can't happen for Ted Cruz. I'm not saying that. Um, but anyway, we got to get all inside of it because it is kind of a an interesting night. That will be if Sanders right now, um, like I said, there's four points uh, four actual votes between them. That will be the real big surprise of the night. Is it a huge surprise? For anybody on the Republican side, the Cruz won. I mean, he was really leading in the polls. In fact, the real surprise last week was that he had kind of tanked a little bit in the polls because he had been well over Trump for a while. And it seemed as though he really lost some momentum around the time of the debate. And when if so, to me, the big surprise is really not that Cruz won. Like I said, no surprise there. Um, to me, the big surprise was the Marcomentum of the night. In fact, to me, if I look at the real winners of the night, I look at Sanders, who may be about to overtake Hillary because he's got a firewall built up in New Hampshire. If he takes Iowa, it, it, she, she, it's going to be really interesting. What would the, and we're going to talk a little bit about some updates and what's going on with the FBI situation because I can't talk Iowa in, in this situation the entire night. Well, there's other things going on. And, and, you know, like I said, and everybody knows, you know, Iowa actually only represents nine, only 19, historically only 19% of Iowa, Iowa, Iowan voters actually go to caucus. And only 1% of all delegates that, that get counted for the Republican nomination come out of Iowa. So that's one reason why it doesn't, it, you know, it hasn't, other than W back in 2000, it has not been, the winner of Iowa has not gone on to win the nomination. In fact, I kind of actually said last week, oh boy, for Ted Cruz, when that Vanderplatz guy, the guy who predicts, has predicted like every Iowan winner going back to the beginning. I was like, oh boy, if you're Ted Cruz, you're like telling that guy to shut up because that's kind of like the kiss of death. Um, what does it really mean for the Republican Party? A friend of mine was actually te- texting me because the big, the big winner of the night is Rubio. And I kind of started getting a squeamish feeling about a week ago, even before the debate, because there was starting to be a lot of argument from a lot of the wrong people, in my opinion, for a push for Rubio. In fact, that was one of the reasons why I was kind of bugged a little bit about Trump backing out of the debate, because I felt like it really wasn't going to matter one way or the other for for Trump in terms of not showing up the debate. In fact, it kind of felt like it helped him because it put a target on Cruz's back and took it off of his. And he dominated the media for quite a few days. In fact, not only did he dominate the media, he created the story, set the agenda for the media. And then all the conversation about him was just about the fact that he didn't go to the debate instead of where he stood on the issues. And it did become a policy issue and debate between Cruz and between Rubio. And it put a target on Cruz's back and it set up the stage for Rubio to do as well as he did in the debate, because Rubio, in my opinion, is actually a far better debater and a far better orator, actually, than than Ted Cruz. And there, of course, here comes the media. I mean, before that debate was even over, actually, even before the debate, the push 
for the the establishment guy began. Articles came out predicting that Rubio was going to win tonight, which was actually all about trying to create the inevitability of him winning. It was all about pushing a narrative because this is who the establishment wants. Because Bush, I mean, Bush came in behind Rand Paul tonight. I think he only got 1%. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know how many millions of dollars that guy, He remember he was supposed to be the inevitable guy. We were told by the establishment, including when I say the establishment, um, qualifier that also includes the media establishment, including Fox. Uh, many people were saying that, the boy, you know, oh, the fix is in for Bush, they kept telling us. Why? Because he had all the money. He had all the money, and that money was going to be the inevitable, inevitable nominee. And he spent something like $50 million or something like that, and he's, he's only got 1%. Um, so this was clearly... Um, a bad night for Bush. And I think, you know, we've already heard that Huckabee suspending his campaign. Um, what a shock that O'Malley is suspending his campaign. We got to see what's really going to happen between, you know, Bush and some of the others, because really, can they stay in at this point? You know, I, it, it ended up being numbers wise, kind of a three way tie going. Now we got to go into New Hampshire. A lot of people are saying, at least at the very least, can we just get rid of some of these people that are just hanging on? See, Santorum's strategy, since he did win Iowa last time, was kind of hang around and hang on forever. I do really think that it it helps. Um, it hurts the Republican Party for that to happen. But clearly, Rubio is the establishment guy, and they've been pushing for him. Now, I will say it again. For everybody out there listening, I will push hard for whoever is the Republican nominee, because whatever happens, whoever going into the general, we cannot have Hillary Clinton. We cannot have Bernie Sanders and we cannot have Biden, Elizabeth Warren, which I think everybody has been talking about is is possibly going to happen here. If Hillary loses in Iowa and she loses in New Hampshire and on top of everything going on with this FBI situation, the, the Democrat Party, they know that Bernie Sanders cannot win in the general. So there's going to be a push to replace her on the ticket. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to bring in Gail Trotter. She's going to pick up the conversation with me, and we're going to break down all that is Iowa. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. 
You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. So happy and thrilled to have you all here with me tonight. Looks like I might be competing with Ted Cruz tonight because he's about to give his, his victory speech. And I look forward to hearing what he has to say there. Um, interesting night. Absolutely fascinating for me. So far, the big winner of the night is Rubio, though, because I think many people, the, the polls have been up and down. Uh, Charles Burton on Facebook is saying that he really expected Trump to win tonight because he was ahead in the polls. It was really, according to Real Clear Politics, going into tonight, I think it was pretty much a statistical dead heat. I think it was uh, Trump maybe uh, 26 or something and Cruz 24. I mean, it was really a statistical dead heat. Uh, it was also uh, breaking it down going into tonight, uh, according to the event, breaking it down to the evangelicals. It was 26 crews, though, and Trump 24. And um, that could be why, Charles. I mean, I, I actually think it, Cruz was considered the front runner, was expected to win. Uh, but I may be wrong. But I tell you who knows all the ins and outs and who's here to help me break it all down is Gail Trotter, political analyst and commentator. Hey, Gail, welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Great to be with you, Andrea. What an exciting night. First of all, what stands out for you? Yes, it is so exciting. I mean, I think that the Des Moines Register, which had Trump winning by five, and now we know that Cruz was up by four, it's just really wonderful because it just shows I, – I, just don't like polls at all. And I think that this uh, primary season has just been such an unusual situation where the pundits and the prognosticators, all of them have been proven wrong time and time again. So it's wonderful to see the people of Iowa choosing who they want to be the next president of the United States, not with regard to who the pollsters or the establishment or the media gatekeepers want to put in the Oval Office. Mm -hmm. What do you think it really Really means, though, given the fact that we know Santorum didn't go on to get the nomination, neither did Huckabee. I mean, really, in recent times, I think we got to go back at least to 2000. And then I don't even remember what happened before that. That was when W got it. What does it really mean for Ted Cruz and for the rest of the candidates at this point? Is it really significant? I mean, I think they don't, they're only one percent of the delegates and only 19 percent right. of Iowans even even go to caucus. Right. It's not it's not a guarantee that you're going to uh, win the nomination, let alone win the Oval Office. But I think it does show in this really mixed up season that Cruz has a lot of support, mm -hmm. that a lot of attacks from Donald Trump, they were unable to uh, basically foment a rebellion among Cruz's mm -hmm. supporters. And I think that if you look at how Trump attacked Cruz, especially on the New York values, I, I thought it was very fascinating that Cruz really called Trump out on the New York values, and it seemed like in that last debate that that Trump had the perfect answer about mm -hmm. New York values, tying it back to 9-11 and how mm -hmm. everybody responded to that. And yet I think that when they did the exit poll or the entrance polls on a lot of the caucus goers tonight, they said that Cruz represented their values more than Trump did. Right. What I also found interesting about, and I don't remember if this was entrance or exit polls, but of those, and this was at one of the largest uh, precincts, it, of those that were most unhappy with how government was run, which was like 92% of them, the, of the caucus goers, 2% more said that they were for Cruz over Trump, which I thought was interesting because he crew. Trump was supposed to get the anger vote. I thought that right. was very interesting with the with the entrance voters. I was also really in in terms of attacking. I really 
kind of would have thought that Cruz would have had an even bigger victory. I kind of think, and I could be wrong, that when Trump decided to not go to the debate, it put more of a target on Cruz's back and Rubio was able to land some punches. And I think that's one reason why, for me, the big winner tonight was Rubio, because he far exceeded expectations. It's ended up kind of being like a three-way tie. Um, To me, he's, he's the clear winner tonight. In fact, what I found really interesting was of the undecideds, um, 40 something percent, I think, uh, went tonight or maybe 38 percent were undecided. Um, they uh, broke more for Rubio than they did for anybody. How do you how do you account for that? Right. And, you know, Rubio and Carson were neck and neck in the run up to tonight on who was going to get for uh, third place. I mean, Carson was really hoping that his strong connection with the evangelical base in Iowa would carry him to the third place spot. But Rubio obviously had a much stronger ground game than Carson did. And I think you're right. I think in some respects, Rubio is the big winner here because he was, you know, really painted into a corner as the established establishment candidate and he's been battling it out for that position and the fact that I mean you could see it watching his uh, speech after the results were announced where he was just grinning from ear to ear and that is Mm -hmm. certainly a strength of his yeah in fact I think he's you know for all of Cruz's brilliance and he's such an amazing litigator um, I actually think I saw a commercial that's that's running here in San Diego where Rubio ends it uh, saying that um, something to the effect of I owe a debt to America that I can never repay. And it was the, it was so heartfelt. It was so right. uh, it, to me, he's he's the the great orator and debater of the group. And I, I find um, his surge. I, I think he really held his own against some attacks about his flip flopping. He's so agile when he's when he's kind of, you know, being backed into a corner on on immigration in some things. So to, it'll be inter- what are your thoughts going into New Hampshire? Because he is clearly the establishment guy, which I find interesting that so many when you've got the entrance poll saying that 51 percent are looking for a political outsider. But then the undecideds break for Rubio, who's the insider in the establishment. Right. I kind of you know, it's kind of a little schizophrenic and going into New Hampshire. That's where Rubio is going to face some establishment types. That's where Christie has been working it hard. Yeah. And Kasich has been burning it up in New Hampshire. So, you know, really what's going to happen with Rubio and the establishment when when it comes to New Hampshire? Right. And Kasich, Governor Kasich, as you know, just is at 2% in Iowa. So his play that I have from inside people in his campaign, it's all New Hampshire. It's New Hampshire for him or bust. I mean, he is really hoping for a very strong showing. And I think Cruz is at a big disadvantage in New Hampshire because a lot of the themes that are the big part of his campaign do not resonate well in New Hampshire. Uh, Plus, you have Chris Christie has a lot of connection in New Hampshire. And Bush certainly has been dumping a lot of money uh, in trying to pump up his numbers. So I think after New Hampshire, you're going to see a lot of people fall off because they're going to realize that they're not going to get that establishment uh, lane. Kasich likes to say there's an establishment lane, there's an anti-establishment lane, and there's the Kasich lane. And I think (laughs) we'll be able to see in New Hampshire if he's right or if that's just uh, more posturing. Well, you know, Kasich did get the New York Times endorsement, Gail. 
Oh, yes. And he's so proud. I do have to tell. I have to say, I was watching him talk on uh, one of the Sunday shows, and he was talking about his daughter was screaming, and he ran out and asked her what was wrong, and she said, Dad, you got endorsed by the New York Times. That's so cool. And Kasich said, that's so great when you can make your teenage daughter think something you did is cool. And I went, oh, that is cool. But then I had to remind myself, no, wait, it's the New York Times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she probably will vote for a socialist when she turns 18, because that seems like that's, that's right. what, what's going on with today. You know, yeah. how, how scary of a time that we live in, Gail, when we have 50 percent of Iowa Democrats. And of course, they did not have the turnout. They didn't have the number of people out there tonight as they did the Republicans. But when we have the amount of people, what is going on and what does that mean for us going into the general? Because there's there's a big discussion between conservatives in terms of likability. That seems to be a big concern for both Trump and Cruz, because a lot of people think that both of them have their own likability issues. And that's going to play a big part in terms of trying to sell Americans to eat re embrace opportunity over entitlements. What are your thoughts on that? Right. I think that's obviously a big issue on the economy, the free market, trying to put in tax plans that will help grow our economy. We have $18 trillion of debt, and there there are not enough people in the United States who pay taxes to be able to dig us out of that hole. We are in that hole. The only way we're going to get out of that hole is to grow our economy. So the, the uh, candidate who offers the best plan to grow the economy, I think, will really capture those voters who are interested and concerned about that. But I think the real issue for this presidential campaign comes back to national security. Mm -hmm. And sometimes likability is not as big a factor when we're thinking about which candidate is going to promise to keep us safe from the threats that we have going on around the world and even brought back to our own country. We have open investigations in terrorism in all 50 states. We Mm -hmm. have Jim Comey saying that they can't possibly vet refugees coming in here right now. So I think that that's a big strength that Trump and Cruz both have because Mm -hmm. they have been hammering that issue home over and over again. Right. If you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170 KCBQ, and we're talking to Gail Trotter, political analyst and commentator. Um, a lot of people said that tonight was really a test for the new model of politician and presidential candidate, and that is was Trump's model, which was the antithesis of Bush, because Bush was all about the big fundraising and amassing the big war chest, and that was supposedly going to be what was going to propel him to inevitability. And on top of that being the traditional model, there was also the model of the retail politician just going around shaking hands, um, never turning down a debate. You know, Trump is basically self-funded. He's flying in on his big fat jet, you know, giving a couple speeches. He's leaving. So some people are like, he loses tonight. And, you know, um, then it's just, you know, we got to get back to politics as usual. And I'm saying not so fast. I'm saying when, you know, to me, I love this model of a politician. This is somebody to me who, whether no matter where you think of, of Trump on the policies and where he stands and whether or not he's really a liberal or any of that. I love the fact, Gail, that we have a guy and whether or not you think he inherited a silver spoon you know, he re- he truly did whatever he inherited. His success after that point was on him. This was a man who embraced the free 
market capitalist system worked it worked it to the bone to get everything he could get out of the bone marrow and then understands it, it loves it and appreciates it so much that he was willing to after being successful personally and professionally to then decide to go in, into politics instead of somebody who comes out of law school decides to run for local city council and then spend the next 40 years in government working his way up the food chain I well, love let's this not pick on lawyers because well, <laughs> I'm a lawyer so we got to be careful with that that's getting to meddling <laughs> no but I agree with you and I think when you contrast that uh, not only Donald Trump but also the all the front runners in the Republican contest compared to well except Jeb Bush because right you know, he had this huge war chest but if you can compare that to contrast that with Hillary Clinton who has six million dollars from George Soros who is trying to fundamentally transform America like President Obama promised to do and was very successful at doing at least on a governmental level you contrast that especially in regard to Hillary Clinton's foundation and the amount of money that she got funneled into that probably for influence while she was Secretary of State we're still trying to get the information on that but she has not been forthcoming on that I think that is a move that we are going towards that is very positive for the country mm-hmm. and Donald Trump has certainly been successful at that and I would say many of the other front runners in the Republican Party have as well yeah and you know we are look at our, look at our team look uh, in terms of who we're putting out there look at the diversity diversity not just in terms of age or skin color or race but also in terms of economic backgrounds you know one of the world's right? most most brilliant neurosurgeons to a, a corporate businesswoman who you know I've been disappointed in terms of Fiorina because I've 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 been saying for a long time I wanted to see somebody out of the business world to come in and, and help take over the economy to, you know, um, to a brilliant lawyer who's argued in front of the Supremes to, you know, to Donald, Donald Trump. You know, I just think we've just got such a diverse field and I just love that. And so anyway, any final thoughts, Gail, before we got to go? Yeah, I think it's just so exciting to think about what's going to happen in New Hampshire, because I think people were surprised about what happened in Iowa. And the fact that particularly Hillary and Bernie are neck and neck, I think it's 50, 49 and one. And to think that Bernie Sanders, a 74 year old socialist, could challenge the inevitable candidate is amazing. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait to see what will happen in New Hampshire. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on tonight. And I can't wait to have you back and we can we can talk about it some more. Thanks, I would Gail. love it. Thanks for having me. Great right. to be with you. All right. Thanks. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to keep our eye on what's going on in Iowa. See if there's if they're going to officially call it for Hillary or Sanders anytime. We're also going to talk about a couple of other topics because there's more going on. And we want to talk about it all right here on the Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The answer. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? 
Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Thanks for being with me tonight on this very exciting night in Iowa. When I started the show, Hillary Clinton was at 50%. Bernie was at 40, at 50. Now we've got it at 50, Hillary, 49, Bernie. That's still not a great night for Hill. Because, you know, she she's just really as the inevitable, you know, the coronated queen, the grand Alinsky dame, she really thought she was going to be walking into the nomination. Um, I'm not really sure if any of it has to do. I know that inside some of the polls in Iowa, that honesty and integrity supposedly meant a lot to the Iowa voters. If so, I'm not really sure why in the world any of them could vote for Bernie Sanders, because there's no honesty in the pitch for socialism. It has destroyed every every system, every uh, every country that tried to implement it. Every nation has been destroyed by that. So there's no honesty there. But see, they don't know that because the left has taken over the education system as well as, you know, the entertainment industry and the media. So, you know, they're they're believing the bumper sticker platitudes of, you know, taxing people at 90 percent and it's and then taking money from somebody like a Trump who's earned it and worked hard for it and giving it to somebody who who didn't bother to even graduate high school, that that's somehow going to better a nation when you do that. There's no honesty there. Um, I, I'm not really sure that the honesty and integrity had anything to do with it, um, because how could Hillary Clinton even even be continuing to run for president if anybody in the Democrat Party cared about honesty, cared about integrity, cared about legality? There's more information coming out every day about Hil- about Hillary Clinton. And I'm wondering tonight, I've got the sound off. I can see Ted Cruz up there um, giving his speech, but I haven't heard any of them. I, and I didn't hear a whole lot of the final pitches from anybody in Iowa. But did any of them? I'm, I'm going to ask my peeps out there if they could do a little research for me. Uh, Timothy Charles, let me see who's out there. 
um, on Facebook, Mark Schofield, if any, any of you guys let me know if anybody from the Republican side mentioned Hillary Clinton and the latest that's come out from these emails, because there's absolutely no excuse for why a former Department of State IG came out and said they all that. The State Department is absolutely lying when they all have said that they did not know from the get-go that Hillary Clinton had set up a private server, in spite of the fact that she actually signed a 2009 non-disclosure agreement, which acknowledged, quote, that markings are irrelevant, undercutting her central explanation, quote, classified information is marked or unmarked, including oral communications. We now know that thousands of classified emails were on her server. We know that 22 of them included SAP special access. I mean, the these SAP pieces of classified information are so highly classified and secretive that brigadier generals have to go through polygraph tests to get passed through classification clearance in order to read one. And then even if they go through the polygraph graph and they get cleared to read one, that doesn't clear them to read any other ones. That's how top secret these emails are. And I'm not hearing anybody talking about this today. According to this article on Fox News by Catherine Herod, who's probably got to have her own security uh, to keep from from reporting. And I quote, it included these recent rounds are so, so high in operational intelligence that they revealed they jeopardized sources, methods and lives. This is information that gives names of sources, for example, gives their locations. I mean, we're, we're talking about literally people's operatives lives being at risk here. Now, remember the hysteria over Valerie Plame? who was supposedly outed by Scooter Libby, who did six months, and he wasn't even the one who outed her. It was the Deputy Secretary of of State, Richard Armitage, or whatever his name was. I mean, a movie was made out of it. There was so much hysteria. And the most covert thing that woman probably did was trying to go into a plastic surgeon's office to get Botox and have nobody know. But, But Hillary Clinton can have the location, I mean, on a, on a, such highly secretive information that, in fact, according to this article, they have had to go in. I guess the intelligence community has had to go in and do some kind of special um, because they because it has already been classified as a potential breach. They've had to go in and do other uh, methods to try to somehow um, get the information and then try to secure it, re-secure it, because it's there's already been a breach. She's already violated the Espionage Act. Espionage Act. In fact, there are 13 federal laws that she has potentially violated. 13. And I have not heard, I didn't hear it in the debate Thursday night, I have not heard enough from any Republican about this. The, every one of them should have been saying tonight, how in the world can can that woman be running for president? And what is she going to do if she get if she gets the nomination and then gets indicted? There, it should be an automatic disqualifier that you're if you're under federal uh, an investigation by the FBI or and or how about this? You don't even have to be under FBI investigation. You signed a, a document as Secretary of State that you would protect classified information, whether or not it was marked. You didn't. 
In fact, you promised that if it came, because now her argument is, her argument's changed. It's changed from I didn't have any on my server to they weren't marked to I wasn't one who did it. It was my underlings. Then it was, well, I didn't actually pull it off of the private server. It just kind of showed up in my email. None of those are excuses for the Espionage Act. The very fact that it was on her server, and and even if even if it showed up into a private, even if she got this classified information by accident on a on the government secured system, she was still supposed to report it. There's absolutely no excuse for anything that she did. The woman should have already been the Republican Party, who has control of both houses, should have already just from Benghazi asked for a special prosecutor to bring her to justice. This is an absolute outrage. And I want to hear more about it from the Republican Party. I tell you something else I'm not hearing anything about. And this was, uh, I was requested by um, my buddy Peggy to do this story. Do you guys remember when, if you're just tuning in, by the way, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Oh, it looks like it's back to 50-50 with Hillary and Bernie. Eyes on Iowa still. Um, was it last week, DJ Carrot Sticks, when we had the hoax at Balboa Hospital? I didn't realize it was a hoax. I thought it was just a false uh, call. Well, you know, actually, it's funny you should say that because have we heard anything else about it? No, not at all. See, heard any other follow-up? No. Nope. Seven agencies, seven agencies. I didn't even know there was seven agencies. I didn't know there was that many different law enforcement agencies. Seven of them all ended up en masse at Balboa Naval Hospital. I don't think they call it Balboa Naval Hospital anymore. I don't know what they call it, but, you know, these military names uh, stick around Balboa Naval Hospital, where I've been many times with mama to pick up prescriptions and get all kinds of medical service done because, you know, mama's a retired, you know, military gal. Um, seven first responder agencies go there because uh, supposedly there were was reports of shots fired. Well, this goes on for hours. I'm fielding calls from people. I'm hysterical because a friend of mine, his husband's a doctor there. You know, this is just really, you know, scary. Come to find out. Nobody heard any three shots. Never heard if they tracked down whoever made that call. Because when I call, anybody calls the police department, they see who's on the caller ID. They know who made that call. And even if you say you want to, you don't want to give your name, they know exactly who makes the calls. It's on their caller ID. If you have caller ID, don't you think the 911 system has caller ID? They know who made that call. We haven't heard a bit about it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the same time that was going on, and I'm not connecting any dots. I'm just telling you the same time that was going on. There was the standoff and the death of Leroy or Lavoy Furnicum in Oregon. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't connect those dots. A friend of mine did. And, you know, while everybody's eyes were tuned to Balboa Naval Hospital, that's when a traffic stop occurred up in Oregon that took that that took over 30 minutes before it finally came to, you know, a head and at the end of that traffic stop and confrontation, we had Lavoy Furnicum um, dead. Now, to refresh everybody's memory about what went on in Oregon, what happened was we had these ranchers up there who had been given a lease by the government for them to use for their ranch, which really begs the question, why do we have so much, you know, federal, we've got 
the federal government taking more and more and more land away from its citizens and then giving them leases. So we've got these ranchers up there that have leased this property. And as been the case many times in the past, you've got to anybody who's ever seen, you know, um, the pioneer woman on Food Channel knows, hey, they're ranchers. You've got to light fires. You've got to, you've got to get rid of the brush and burn it off so that new foliage can, can occur. And, it, and they do it in different stages depending on where the cattle are. And then once there's new foliage, then their cattle has a new area to graze. I mean, this is just what ranchers do. And when there is a fire, they act as their own firemen and they put it out. They even have fire trucks and everything. This is managing their land. And they have a lease to do this. So as been the case as many times, they lit, you know, they, they, got, they lit a fire. And when it actually, on their land, when it actually went encroached a little bit into the federal land, they put the fire out. No harm, no foul. This is something that's happened many times. They ended up getting uh, arrested for arson and getting convicted. In walks Eamon Bundy and others. And um, it ends up with Lavoie Furnicum ending up shot. I don't know. I watched the 29-minute altercation. I have no idea why they pulled these people over. I didn't see any crime being committed. And then as I watched, I couldn't really see from some angles at the end, but the man gets out, supposedly tells them, according to witnesses on the scene, that he they, that they were under fire for and doing nothing as they're sitting in this big suburban. He gets out. You can see his hands are up. I don't for the life of me. I don't know why the man's dead. And I also don't understand why nobody's even talking about this. So I'm I'm hoping that we can bring some more spotlight to this and get some more answers. I'm not going to say that the man was gunned down for no reason, but it sure looked that way to me. And I really think and what was even more disturbing to me was that we've got some candidates like, you know, uh, Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, who said, you know, they came down on against the people there who were standing up and saying we've got a government overreach taking our land. Not doing right by the American citizens. This is not supported by the Constitution. These people had a lease for their land. They had the rights to do what they did. The government did not have the right to do what they did. Who's standing up for the law? What do you do? Oh, you're supposed to go obey, go obey a law that's unconstitutional? I, I, I'm, I also want to hear, I got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more economics because today's $19 trillion in debt. But I want to hear more from the GOP in terms of the overreach from the government in every aspect, and that includes federal land. This is the Andrea K Show. Don't change that dial, folks. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen you're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me tonight. And as part of the You Asked For It segment of the Andrea K Show, you know, a while back, I always pose it to you guys. Tell me what topics are on your mind and what do you really want me to focus on? Because I like to do a show that's that provides content that's driven by what you guys want to hear. And I actually had a few, quite a few of my listeners want me to spend a little bit 
more time delving into some topics that aren't quite as sexy as talking about, you know, Hillary Clinton's email scandals and Benghazi, but some of the bread and butter economic issues that are going on out there, because we know that the top two issues that people are going to take to the polls going into 2016 is national security and the war on terror, but also economics, because, you know, um, as people are sitting down every night, they're, tr- they're worried. They're trying to figure out how they're going to pay for their kids' education. They're trying to figure out how they're going to even keep the lights going on in the house. So these are things that are really important to the American people. And so I'm going to continue to bring on experts onto the show to help me get that great content out to you guys because, you know, I can't know everything out there. So Nathan Gatay is one of my great Facebook friends, super smart guy. And he posted a few weeks ago on Facebook that he was kind of concerned about the truth that we're getting from the government. Shock, right? We're not necessarily getting all the truth, particularly in regards to economics from the government. But he was concerned specific to the real estate industry because he's saying that for the past 10 years, the government's been dishonest with us about the real estate industry. And I say they've been dishonest going back for decades and decades, because if you look at the housing bubble that we had that ended up bursting in in 2008, and I've talked about this on the show, I've talked about the decades of various types of legislations and policies that have involved both parties that led to that housing bubble. They weren't honest with us throughout, throughout all that, you know, basically it was about the, the, the entitlement mindset that everybody should have a right to own a home. And so there was different machinations and policies to fulfill that, which led to all these loans that people you know couldn't afford to pay. And you know the whole story there. Real estate is one of the top leading economic indicators for us. And so th- there's lots of reasons why both parties might not want to be honest with us about w- the state of the real estate market. And, and real estate is so critical because that's where the American dream lies for many people, the dream of home ownership. That's where people can often you know build up equity and build up financial security, maybe for themselves in, in their senior years, as well as for their children. So I look at the, that is being such a f- integral piece of the fabric for America, but real estate ain't my industry and ain't my game. So I am pleased to bring on the Andrea K show uh, tonight, Vincent's Vince Scuncio, who really is kind of interesting in terms of his specialty in the real estate Market And you can go to his website, VinceScuncio.com, to learn more about him and what he does. Vince, thanks for coming on the Andrea K. Show tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Pleasure. Long intro to lead up to tee up to your segment, <laughs> probably as long as you're going to be on. But I really wanted to give a framework because, you know, most of us, we want to own a home. It's part of the American dream. But we don't we, we look to experts like yourself to help us find the, the, the right product or the right house. You specifically, you don't do listings for everybody. That's not really what no. you do necessarily and people can learn more about what you do we'll touch on that in the end but what is the state of of real estate right now this is an incredibly critical piece of the economic pie for the american people nathan says we're being lied to he says real estate starts are not as good as they were he says the housing industry we are approaching another bubble he says according to what the truth is out there do you agree with nathan where are you at um i agree on the big picture as far as nationally um, obviously, the the current um, regime or whatever you're called, the current uh, party in power, has a vested interest in making everything look wonderful for the you know in hopes that Hillary gets elected or whatever. No one wants to come and drop big bad news that yeah housing isn't where it needs to be. California in large though, as far as or specifically I should say, um, housing starts are up. 
you know, okay. from Northern California all the way down to Southern California, the, the big builders are coming back. And I always look at it like this is that the big builders have economists and people that their job is to, to not look at what's happening next year, but what's happening out 10 years. Right. Cause it could take five, 10 years to develop a piece of property to where you have new starts. So the fact that the builders are just now starting to develop that land means that, yeah, their economists and everyone were saying, you know what, I don't think it's a good time yet, but they're looking forward saying, you know, I think the next couple of years are going to be good, which is mm-hmm. how long it will take to, from breaking dirt to closing the transaction. Okay. So kind of a mixed bag then, basically, I'm getting from you. Is it basically we're not, you know, it's starts are up a little bit, but we don't really know. Well, real estate is a, is a, a, a very, you know, locational specific, right? What's happening in San Diego is not what's happening in Eureka County and what's happening back in Detroit or whatever. So you really have to look at, you know, which is kind of the reason why you want to have local experts is because what's happening in San Diego Actually, San Diego leads the nation. So what happens here, the rest of the nation follows. And that's Mm -hmm. key to know is that housing starts are actually up in San Diego County from last Mm -hmm. year to this year and going forward, which means the rest of the nation always lags us and has lagged us statistically and historically for 50-something years. So if we're coming out of the market now, just now, which we are, Mm -hmm. then, you know, the rest of the nation is probably going to follow that. But a lot of it, honestly, is going to happen... Depends on what happens tonight at the co- or to, you know what happens in the election going forward, right? And uh, one of the things that I one of the reasons why I wanted to talk real estate with you is because there's a, a lot of questions about taxes, and we've got a lot of GOP candidates that are pushing a, flat taxes in a variety of different forms. Right. And one of the things that really panics people who are involved in the housing industry out that's realtors, that's con- general contractors, that's developers, that's the hard hats that go out and swing a hammer all day, is the idea of removing the mortgage tax credit. And so what I would say out there is what I'm looking for is um, lower taxes on businesses and make it easier. I think we need to have more people have the skin in the game. People who aren't paying taxes right now need to have pay a little bit of something. But I'm really opposed to a flat tax that involves completely removing every tax credit. And that includes the mortgage tax credit, because I think that's just going to completely cripple the real estate industry, whether it's here or anywhere else. Yeah, but I I agree with you, but I think that that crippling would be short term. I mean, keep you in do? mind that well, keep in mind the tax credit hasn't been around since the founding fathers, right? I mean, that's a relatively okay. new, and I don't know the year it was implemented, but that's a relatively new development in the tax code. Right? Okay, so you know, a lot of people don't they they're not buying a home because oh, I get a, a write off. They're buying a home because they want to buy a home. Mm-hmm. Where that's going to really hamstring or really hurt the the overall picture is. is the um, investors that are getting those write-offs, they're getting that depreciation, everything gotcha. like that. But the homeowner, like the house I bought, I didn't buy a home because, oh, if I buy this home, I'm going to get this tax deduction. I bought it because I don't like paying rent. I have a house that I can do whatever I want to. And the benefit is I get to write off the interest of it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it would suck. Um, but you won't be able to write off that interest, though, going forward on a flat tax. But I'd though. still buy a home. You would still buy a I home. I would still buy a home. Now, and, and most people that are buying homes are not buying. That's kind of an added benefit, right? Um, you know, so I, It's I, not the reason why they're buying. It's, it's not the reason. Plus, if you're able to save taxes in another area because maybe you're buying that home off of money that you've made running your own business that now you're paying less in interest because a lot of business owners are sole proprietors and their taxes are they're being taxed. Keep in mind it's a deduction. It's not a, it's not a reduction in tax. It's, it's not just a, a dollar for dollar. It's not a dollar for dollar. So if okay. you have $30,000 in income or property tax for a year and you make $100,000, you know, do the math, but now you're taxable at X amount based on your your tax code. So, you know, that would be a whole different show, but I don't think that it's going to be 
it's not going to destroy the housing market, in, at least not in California. Um, people are always going to be buying homes because they want to have a home. Investors, right. they're going to find another way to give redu- right. a deduction. And and one of the things I think that we can learn as we wrap up here in terms of the housing bubble that it crashed here, and, and I do think that I am seeing from everybody out here in, in Southern California that it is it is recovering mm-hmm. from what happened when the housing bubble burst. And I do think that that will be a wave that happens a, a, across the country. Um, I just lost my train of thought. It's okay. Well, you're talking a little bit about, you know, are we in a bubble? And I, I, oh, oh, I know no. what my question was. Um, See how I tee that up for you? Yeah, you did. Thank you. <laughs> there have been reports, though, that now that we are in a little bit of a recovery mode, that we're back to the government and Fannie is doing back to the same shenanigans again. Right. Is that true? Yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're starting to see a little of what they call loosening them up of the lend, loosening up of the lending credit or lending guidelines. Um, you know, the, the government. It's like a big old ship, right? It takes a long time to slow it down. It takes a long time for it to build up. And they always seem to overcorrect. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they overcorrected and they tightened it up so much that people couldn't buy a house. Okay. And then they're like, well, that didn't work. Well, let's loosen it up. Well, the market's kind of picking up on its own anyways. Now we're going to loosen it up. And, we're, and I think the problem that ran, we ran into with the last crisis was that anybody and their mother could get a loan. Right. You have a pulse. You have... Right. Basically, you needed a pulse and you had to be 18 years old. You didn't necessarily have to be anything else other than that. And you right. could buy whatever size house you wanted, not what mm-hmm. you could qualify for. I haven't come back around to those lending guidelines yet, though they're, you know, they're softening up a mm-hmm. little bit. And they're really pushing for that, you know, that down payment assistance and that low mm-hmm. down payment. You know, but right. I, I honestly believe that the 100 percent loans and the stated income loans, that was what caused all that. Because, you know, if you have to if you have to qualify based on ratios, and you have to qualify based on how much money you have down then you're going to fit in there. Now, whether, right. you know, but the people that could say, hey, I work at Taco Bell and I'm making 12 bucks an hour and I want to buy a million dollar house. And you could do that. Oh, yeah, you could. You know? And then on top of it, people that were moving into these homes and they were pulling out it, it, as soon as any kind of equity had developed, they were then pulling out the money. You could do 100 125% stated income investor loans, which means that you could be a, a office worker and buy investment properties and get money back from the purchase. Right. Yeah. You know, come on. I mean, how long is that going to last? Yeah. So then we overcorrected. Now we're back. Kind of get some common sense to it. And I guess my message to people would be that I'm feeling good about real estate going forward. I think it's and I always think it's a good investment. You know, it's kind of like that old saying, buy land. They're not making it anymore. I mean, I think that the the lesson for me is, which is what I think my my, before I lost my train of thought was if if you can hold on to it, kind of like stocks, if you're trying to buy it, thinking your, your plan is to flip it in a year and take and take a big, you know, profit off of it. Probably not the way to go wherever you are, right. whether it's San Diego or beyond. But if you can hold on to it, you can pretty much ride out, you know, what the bubbles and the ups and the downs. How can people get more information about you, Vince? You know, give me a call at 760-637-7094. That's my cell phone number. I answer it pretty much all the time. Um, you can also go to my website, www.vincegunco.com. Yeah. And what you, what Vince does is he kind of works directly with attorneys and really helps in the division of, of assets in regards to family law issues like divorce. So very highly specialized and you don't get to that kind of specialty without really understanding the entire market and how it plays out in, in, into everybody's lives and their pocketbooks. Thanks for being here, Vince. A pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Oh, boy, we trying to cover a lot of topics here tonight on the Andrea K. Show on the night of the Iowa caucuses. Um, trying to make sure that I've got all the content that you guys are looking for here on the Andrea K. Show. And um, so keep telling me what's important to you 
here on the show and the topics that you want. It was actually Nathan Gattay who sent me a really long list of questions that he had for the real estate market. And so I, I wanted to provide that content for him and for our local listeners in San Diego. Tomorrow's Andrea K. show, we're going to be picking it up. It's the Dems. It's too close to call in the caucus race. There's a socialist stealing her show in Iowa. I am happy that the results of tonight's Iowa caucus is I'm hoping it's a good sign for conservatives, actually, that we had these results tonight. I'm hoping that that means that we're going to go into New Hampshire and it's going to be the end of Chris Christie. It's going to be the end of Kasich and all the rest of the end and and Bush. And I hope we're going to end up with a conservative on the ballot in the general election. Hey, join me tomorrow night right here, 8 p.m. Pacific time on AM 1170, The Answer. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Follow me on Facebook and go to my website, andreakshow.com. Lots of ways for you to engage me. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Love you all. Have a great night. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.